What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Danny Nassi. Welcome to the first ever Danny Nassi podcast. Let's go. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited. I'm here with my main man, marketing director of the Nasty team, Mike Persico. Uh, and we're just going to dive right into here. Mike, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody how you met me and how we uh, ended up getting together and doing this. Sure. Well, how I met Danny was I DM'd him on Instagram asking him for an internship, and he would respond to me over and over again, being like, we're not looking for anybody right now, but we'll let you know. So I kept on bartering him for weeks on end every single day even sending my resume via email and eventually I was like you know what I'm gonna put together an entire marketing book show you what I can do what I want to bring to the team and I did it and once it was done I sent a, a video of the book and I was and all I said was send me the day and interview and the rest is history now I'm here it is and you know what I have to give you credit there's not a lot of kids that are 20 something years old you know that have your hunger that have your persistence, that have your dedication. I remember sitting down with you thinking to myself, wow, this guy's really special, and I gotta get this guy part of my team. Yeah, so, I don't know how I made it that far, but I did. But you did, and you know what? The rest is history, rest is history. and now we're sitting here All doing right. our first ever podcast. Look, you know, before we jump in, I wanna give a special shout out to Jambox Entertainment Studios and my main man, Lee. I couldn't imagine uh, doing this anywhere else. And you know, if you guys are out there looking to do something similar, definitely reach out to my man, Lee at Jambox Entertainment Studios based out of Manhattan, best place to be. So, Mike, let's just jump in here because these people have been waiting a long time. We were supposed to launch this thing, you know, back in July. Now we're looking at late August. And the truth is, you know, before we jump in, I just want to kind of give everybody what kind of atmosphere we're in. Lee uh, redid the lighting in here. And I got to be honest with you guys, I feel like... Uh, Lee hooked it up. He totally hooked it up. It's like very romantic. <laughs> I feel like I need to play a little R. Kelly, maybe a little Joe. All right. And uh, and uh, maybe not even do this podcast. I feel okay. like I need to invite my wife to come down here and <laughs> oh. just come kick it with me for a hot minute. But we can't do that. So we're just going to jump in. Go ahead, Mike. All right. First of all, who are you? Uh, I'm Danny Nassi. First off, uh, husband, father, friend, businessman, uh, loyal motherfucker, and definitely crazy a little bit. So what do people expect from this podcast? Because many people are asking for it, and we're finally giving it to them. What should people look forward to? I think what people should look forward to, in all honesty, is, you know, I don't want by any means to anybody here to think that I'm trying to play myself off as a Gary Vee or a Tony Robbins or, you know, a Wayne Dyer, may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, I just believe that, you know, once you go out there and you work hard and you have this moment where you realize you were able to create success, that it's your responsibility to really help other people. And, you know, if somebody can have a moment on this podcast where it's just like this moment of clarity, they have this aha moment where they're like, wow, wait, he's right or she's right. I can do this and, and I can find a way to believe in myself to do this. Then that's what I want this to be about for anyone that's listening or anyone that's part of this. And I think what else people can expect is I'm gonna be really interviewing people that I look up to, people that I respect, uh, people that I go to for guidance, uh, people that I've interviewed, uh, you know, to ask them how they got to point A to point Z. And I think it's just gonna be like a peek into those conversations for people and you know, what it's done for me and hopefully can do the same for them. So I think everybody wants to know as well, how did you even get into real estate in the first place? 
Uh, you know, I was 19 years old. Uh, my father has a family business. I went to school in Ohio, and then I transferred, and I came back to Manhattan, and I ended up dropping out after a semester. I was an arrogant little kid, and I figured, you know what? You know, my father's got a business. I'm going to end up working with him, and uh, everything's going to be all right. And I learned quickly that, you know, unfortunately, as much as, you know, I love my father, I'm in love with my father. He's my hero, and he's someone that I absolutely look up to, and, you know, somebody, I, I don't know anyone that works any harder than he does, even today. Uh, that it wasn't going to work out. You know, we just didn't have one of those relationships where we could both, uh, you know, work with one another and it blossomed, unfortunately. So, you know, I used to come home really miserable and very unhappy. And at the time, my girlfriend, who today is my wife, she looked at me dead in my eyes and she said to me, Danny, nothing in your life is going to change until you make a change. And it hit me like a laser because it's so funny. You know, I had interviewed so many successful people and nothing ever really resonated with me other than when my wife sat down that day and said to me, nothing in your life is going to change unless you make a change. And I literally quit my job working with my father at that point. The next day, I signed up to get my real estate license, and I think within seven to 10 days, I was a licensed real estate salesperson. And that's how I eventually got in. And then what happened was I started renting apartments in Manhattan. And, you know, honestly, that's probably one of the hardest gigs out there because at the end of the day, you know, if you're just renting apartments, you're only going to attract more rentals. And what happens is, is you can't get the results you want just doing rentals. Like, you can't fulfill what your why is, okay? so. That led me into commercial leasing, that led me into retail, that led me into selling commercial buildings. After that, I picked up, I moved down to South Florida. I was doing real estate there. I was doing short sales there. I developed seven car washes there from Miami up to Tampa with uh, two other partners. I sold out my partnership. I moved back to New York. Uh, and then what I did was I just jumped in full time. I ended up uh, being on the principal side of the coin. I co-own about 125 units in Manhattan now. And uh, I jumped into full-time brokerage. And uh, I mean, I guess from there, you know, th there's kind of a weird story there. Because when I came back to Manhattan I, and I had the 125 units, I was working in an office, Lee and Mike, the size of this studio. And I had a bookkeeper part-time. And the truth is, when you're a property manager, every single day, you're just getting bad news. There's never a time where somebody <laughs> picks up the call and says, hey, you're doing a great job, just wanted to thank you for all your service and all your effort. No, they're calling you about bed bugs. They're calling you about the hot water being out. They're calling about leaks. So every single day, it was exhausting. And on top of it, I was brokering deals inside the buildings that I co-owned. So finally, I woke up one day, I was 100 pounds overweight. Uh, I was miserable and uh, there was literally nights that I was sitting on the corner of my bed crying like a fourth grade schoolgirl with my wife rubbing my back telling me it's going to be okay when I couldn't even, you know, see the light for myself. So I got up one day. I said, that's it. I'm finished. Uh, next 11 months, I lost 110 pounds. I gave property management to the family. I jumped into real estate full time and then I just got into luxury real estate and then the rest is history and then I can, you know, go more into that later. But you know, it was just about taking action and, you know, making a change. So how did you find Nesty Gears and how did you decide to put your license with them? That's a really good story, actually. So when I was going through that process of like losing the weight and getting rid of the uh, property management company, I co-owned a building uh, on the southwest corner of uh, Park and 18th. And this kid came to me one day and he said to me that his girlfriend, he went home, his girlfriend was gone and all the furniture that was in his apartment was gone. 
And I remember this kid, he said, look, I know you're building, I know this apartment, I've always wanted it. So I said, come on, let's go take a look at it and maybe I can help you out. So I took him to the apartment, we were talking and it turned out he was a real estate agent with Nest Seekers International. And uh, I really took a liking to this kid. He was much younger than me, he was very sweet, he was authentic, he was genuine. And the truth was he didn't have good credit and uh, he really didn't have enough money to afford the apartment. And I never ever take those kind of risks because if I put someone like that in my building, I can get hurt. So I went to bed that night and I just couldn't stop thinking about this kid and I felt compelled to help him. So I woke up the next morning, I gave him a call. I said, listen, I'm gonna give you a chance and I'm gonna believe in you until you believe in yourself and I think it's all gonna work out. And so I gave him the apartment and he was telling me about Nest Seekers. He ended up getting me an interview with this guy named Ravi out of the Fifth Avenue office. I interviewed with Ravi. After 45 minutes, he asked me, do you want to get started? And, you know, in my life, I've been blessed to know when to take action quickly and when to make decisions quickly. And my gut, I've always listened to it. And my gut told me after that interview, just get started now. So I told him, I'm ready to go. So I ended up joining Nest Seekers. So at this time, the weight was gone, the property management was gone. I was feeling good. It was a new start. I learned all the systems and tools I needed to learn. And then within three to four months, I made about 180,000. I'm not saying that Mike or Lee to impress anybody, but just to impress upon you guys that like, you know, I rolled up my sleeves, I got my knuckles bloody, I got my knees scraped, and I did what I had to do to make it work. So the funny thing was, three months later, that kid that I helped get the apartment inside my building calls me up, and he tells me Ryan Serhan. And if you guys don't know who Ryan Serhan is, he's one of the top brokers in New York City. Uh, you know, he needed to raise a couple million bucks for one of his clients. I happened to have had a money guy. So I told Brian, who's the kid that I helped get the apartment, I said, set up a lunch with Ryan and I'll bring my money guy. So the lunch ends up happening. Shortly after that, I sit down, I meet Ryan Serhan. Ryan Serhan says to me that he's got this new development on 242 Fifth Avenue. And coincidentally, I sold that building to his developer. And he was like, what? I was like, yep. And he said, how much did you sell it for? I said, well, I had a 30-day exclusive and I sold it for $10,275,000 in under 30 days. And he said, well, how the hell's my developer supposed to make money? I said, well, I don't give a fuck because it's not my client. We started laughing. And about a week later, he said, why don't you come down to my office, um, you know, and let's talk about this. I think we should be working together. And I said, sure. So I met with him a week later. And honestly, I never worked for anybody because I feel like I'm certifiably unemployable. Lee, you know, I just don't like anybody putting a ceiling on my head. And, you know, when you work for somebody, they're always putting a ceiling on your head. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I sat down with him. We discussed commission splits and, uh, you know, we agreed that any business that I procured, it would be a 90 percent split. And, uh, you know, I thought about it, you know, because I had this opportunity here where I was already doing business. I was already doing well. So I wasn't looking to be on anybody's team, nor was I looking to work alongside anybody or under someone else. But I figured, you know what, this guy's number one. This guy's the best. This guy does a lot of volume. And I thought to myself, you know what, why don't I treat this like school or like college? I'll get educated year, maybe two years. And, uh, it really helped me get exposure. It really put me on. I made the decision, I pulled the trigger, I went over there, I did really well, and it got me in the game. And then after that, it was 
you know, off to the races. So after you left the Sirhan team, did you ever have an intention of starting your own team or it just kind of happened? Honestly, I didn't have an intention of starting my own team only because, you remember how I told you earlier I moved to Florida? Yeah. When I was living in Florida, when I was living in North Miami Beach, uh, I had been doing real estate there and I had the car washes there, but I also did something else that was really cool. And I was working with a real estate company selling a real estate education where we taught 25 different strategies of how to buy and sell real estate. So what ended up happening was, I ended up building communities of investors in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. That led me to speaking nationally in New York, in Florida, in Chicago, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and Arizona. So I built teams and communities of investors. And what came with that is a lot of responsibility, okay? And it's really, really time consuming. Um, you really have to have thick skin and you really have to give 100% of yourself to serving others, you know, because the only way to create success for yourself is to help people create that success for themselves. And the byproduct is you make money and you become successful, but it's a lot of work. So when I left uh, Ryan Serhant's team, the only thought I had in my mind is I just want to be solo. <laughs> you know, I didn't want that kind of responsibility. And the truth was, once I got onto my social media and I got onto Instagram and I announced to everybody that I went out on my own because I needed to let all my clients, friends, family, associates, yeah. everybody know what I'm doing, all of a sudden, I got bombarded with emails, phone calls, text messages. Um, hey, are you starting a team? If you're starting a team, you know, uh, can I meet with you? And uh, and I was overwhelmed. And I also felt really good because I must have done something right because I, I must have inspired some people and I must have, uh, you know, made people feel good. And it made me feel good. And so I went home and I thought to myself, you know what, why not? You know, I can do something different. I can do something small. I can do something intimate. I can create quality, not quantity. So the next day I got onto Instagram. I got on, I got onto one of my stories, Lee, Mike, and, uh, and I announced to everybody, just like I always do. I'm like, hey, it's your boy, Dean Assey. I'm looking to start a team. If you're interested in joining me, you know, send me your resume. And literally within 48 hours, I had 50 resumes. And it gave me the opportunity to cherry pick every single person that I wanted for my team. And it just happened. And it was beautiful. And it was natural. It was organic. And then the next thing I knew, you know, I have a really sexy team of seven now. So... I mean, how did you decide who to be on your team? What were you looking for? Honestly, I was looking for at least two years of New York sales experience, uh, a book of business, and that's really it. And you have to have the personality. But also, like on the other hand, not to sound contradictory, I also like people. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm a firm believer of not liking knowledge on ice. I'd rather have the ignorance on fire. Um, because people who are just ignorant and on fire then go out and they just want to work hard, they even accidentally get into business for themselves. So I always look for something special. So I always keep my options open, Mike, when it comes mm -hmm. to meeting people. Because there might be somebody who doesn't have that real estate experience, but there might be something really special about them uh, that I can work with them and I can help them and I can guide them and kind of hold their hand and a year from the point that I start working with them they're carrying themselves completely differently than the day that I met them so that's really important to me so you say how you worked in both commercial and luxury residential as a new agent should I start commercial should I start residential should I even do rentals what should I do it all comes down to the individual you know you would have to first understand Mike what do I want to do? Do I want to do commercial or do I want to do residential? I'll tell you what the difference was for me. There's big money in commercial. I did commercial, but you know what? I felt like it was a cold place. You're dealing with a lot of like vanilla box uh, property <laughs> and uh, you're dealing with a lot of arrogant people. That's the way I feel about it. You know, some people might say, you know what, he's crazy. You know, what the fuck is he saying? I don't care what they think. 
All I know is that I wasn't happy doing it. And I love residential because it's personal. I love being able to paint the picture for people. And I think it's just a beautiful thing because when you're doing residential, you have the opportunity to break bread with these people. You have the opportunity to get to know them personally. You have the opportunity to get to know their families. You get to show them Manhattan from your perspective. Then you get to see Manhattan from their perspective. And then before you know it, you know, you have a relationship and you're like part of this family. And then you get to meet their contacts, their associates, all their sphere of influences. So for me, it was definitely residential, but, um, where to get started again that depends like if you want to get into residential yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily say get started with rentals because again like i said earlier not to reiterate but if you're going to do rentals you're going to end up attracting more rentals i say if you're going to get into the game do like three four five rentals you know just to get your feet wet and if you're going to be putting the same amount of time into sales you're going to be making a heck of a lot more money and you're also going to be you know uh helping heck of a lot more people so i would say couple rentals then jump into sales so if you heard that a lot of new agents don't even last a year in the business is that true or not I think it's less I think less a lot than a year of, I think a lot of people come in and I think they're out within six months really and I think that's with any business I just don't think with real estate because most people that are used to having a nine-to-five job you know have like a ton of security and what happens is in the advice that I give to people who want to get into the business. They're always asking me like, what's the best advice you can give me? And I always give them two pieces of advice. Number one, whatever you're making a year right now, save that amount of money, have it in your bank account, and then come into the game. So that way you're not operating from a valley, you're operating from a peak, and you don't have to focus on what you're going through, you can just focus on what you're gonna do, right? Yeah. Now the other part of it is, I always say, if you're gonna come to this business, find a mentor, find somebody that takes an interest in your life. And the truth of that matter is, is that there's not gonna be a lot of honest, genuine, authentic people yeah. that are gonna say to you, look, you come here, I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna work with you. Most of them are gonna use you for your time, they're gonna rob you in commission splits, and you're gonna end up feeling really bad. So what I say is, find somebody who actually cares, somebody who wants to see you successful. You might have to go through a few people, but it's absolutely worth doing that to like be able to create the success. What was your original question again? Because I was getting to a point. Oh, so my original question is that a lot of people are only in real estate for a year before they quit. Right, so what I'm saying is, yeah. and I wanna get back to that, the reason yeah. why people leave so quickly is because they think that things happen quickly yeah. in real estate, and they really don't. So what happens is, is when they're going through this process and they're not making money right away, then they're like, oh shit, like <laughs> how am I supposed to pay my bills? How am I supposed to take care of my mortgage? How am I supposed to cover the kids' camp this summer? How am I supposed to cover health insurance? Like all these problems and all these things that we worry about as human beings every day, especially if we have families start really taking its toll on you and then what happens is, is your family unfortunately they're the ones that care about you most but they're also the ones that judge you the hardest they're saying why don't you just go get a job why don't you just go do the right thing but you know what a job to me is a fucking acronym for just over broke so i say fucking take the pain i say fucking deal with the fucking pressure deal with the fucking sacrifice because if you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going ultimately you're going to get to your destination but what happens is, is most people aren't strong enough to handle the pressure and they end up quitting on themselves and they always they end up you know moving on further in life looking back being like i wonder what if and you can avoid the what if if you just fucking take action but is there anything you can do is there a way like so as i'm taking the classes should i already have clients lined up should i go through my parents phone book and look for people that might want to buy a house like what should i do to kind of avoid a dry spell at first. The only way to avoid a dry spell, and no, when you're going through your classes and you're going through 
the process of getting your license, yeah. your only focus should be getting your license. Yeah. Okay. And then once you get into the game, that's when you start really focusing on, all right, who do I know? Who do my parents know? Who do my friends know? And then start creating the list. But the only way to avoid having a dry spell, and that's the million dollar question, is to always be filling in your pipeline, always be working. Because, and always, the biggest, strongest thing you can do for yourself is save your money. Because most people don't save their money. They'll have a good month or two, or they make 30, 50, $350,000, whatever that amount is. Then they start coasting for a little while. And guess what? When you start coasting and you start slowing down, your business starts slowing down, you lose your momentum. And it's just like you're starting right back from the beginning. You know, so for every deal you do, you just have to kind of imagine yourself not having made that money and just keep on going every day. You got to be hungry in this game. Okay. And the worst thing you can do in any kind of sales business is be in front of your seller, your buyer, your customer, your client, and give out an energy that you're thirsty rather than hungry. And there's a lot of thirsty motherfuckers out there. Well, how did you first start getting your clients? Because you told me briefly what happened. So I want you to more to explain it more, but like you went on LinkedIn, you had breakfast meeting, you had dinner meetings. I mean, I did multiple things. Obviously, you know, LinkedIn's a huge tool. So when I went to LinkedIn, what I did was I hooked up with everyone from my high school. I hooked up with everyone from college. I hooked up with everyone from when I was living in Miami. And then I hooked up with everyone from when I was living here. And so what I did was every breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, cocktail, after hours, I made sure I was in front of somebody, okay? Naturally, when they'd catch up with me, they'd be like, Danny, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, how are you? And then they'd be like, well, you know, what are you up to? And then I'd say, funny, you should ask. And then I would share my story and I'd share what I've been up to. And, you know, it took me about a year to really just like buckle down and like create those contacts, pay for a lot of meals, pay for a lot of cocktails and coffee. But eventually when people thought about real estate and they thought about making a move, they thought about me as a result. And that was ultimately the goal. But also what else did I do? You know, I had done because I had those 125 units, I had a lot of rentals. Right. So what I did was I hooked up with a mortgage broker at the time was at Citibank. And I said, look, I got people paying rent here from anywhere from two thousand dollars to $7,000 a month. I said, can you create a one sheeter for me? It's a rent versus buy where we can show people, look, you're renting for this amount of money, but if you paid this amount of money purchasing, this is what you can actually have. And so what I did was I lit up 125 units. I ended up getting two clients that popped out of that. One of them was a doctor and she had can't come into my building with another broker, but I had followed up with her. Follow up is key. And uh, she said to me, uh, I want to buy. I said, great. I sat down with her. I met with her. I introduced her to the attorney that I work with. I introduced her to the mortgage guy I work with. I introduced her to the title guy I worked with. And I said, I got a team. But I want you to know, at the time it was a seller's market, I said, we got to be super aggressive. I'm going to show you units. I want you to understand it's important that we put offers out because it's going to give us leverage when we're dealing with these sellers. And uh, it's important that these people know that it's good, that we care, that it's important to... Uh, care when you negotiate, but not that much. So what we ended up doing was I ended up showing her three units, we made three offers, and then we ended up getting her what she wanted. And it was like a $1.25 million sale for my first sale in the real estate game as a sales professional. And then I had a second deal that popped out that was for one and a half million. And then all of a sudden, I ended up getting a Facebook from a friend um, that was a fraternity brother back in my Ohio days. And he's like, yo, my brother-in-law needs a spot. He called me up, his chick was pregnant. And uh, I ended up selling them a two-bedroom, two-bath in Tribeca. That was another sale. I mean, in just those three alone, I made over like, I made over six figures right there. So, like, getting back to when you're talking about how uh, you want to go with a team that, like, your broker wants to see you grow. Should I intern at a firm first, not even get paid before jumping in, or should I just keep interviewing each firm? 
just seeing whatever makes like feels better. I mean, I think it's up to you. I'm not really a fan of not being paid. Yeah. Um, I think everybody should be paid for their work and yeah. for the value that they bring to the table. Okay. So, you know, for me, you know, I guess the advice I would give in that situation is go find a good home for yourself to hang your license and a good mentor and just work your ass off and do everything you can to serve that person. When that person's like, oh, I need somebody to do this, be the first one to respond, be like, I'll do it. And get to the point where they can't live without you. That's it, just work your fucking ass off and work to the point where they can't live without you. I actually have a pretty good question, just thought of it. What's success to you? Like, you've been in real estate for a while. What's, do you wanna be the top number one? Do you wanna be able to just pay off your bills? Like, what's your definition of success? My definition of success is going to be different than anyone else's definition of success. Yeah. You know, for me, um, it's not about the money. Um, I definitely don't want to be a multi, multi-millionaire. I don't care for that. Um, what I do want to be is a good husband. Uh, I want to be a affectionate father that's involved. I want to have the time for that. I want to be able to cover my rent. I want to be able to cover my mortgage. I want to be able to pay for my daughter's camps. You know, in the summertime, I want to be able to go out for nice meals and nice vacations, not have to worry about it. And uh, and I want to be able to have money in the bank. And then when I go off to wherever I go off to after I'm done on this planet, I want there to be enough for my family, for them to be comfortable and for them to be safe. So, you know, for everyone, it's different, you know? So one more thing I want to bring up because you were on a huge team. The Sirhan team is really big and they have a lot of volume. And now you're starting your own team with about five, six brokers. What are some of the positive and negatives about being on a huge team and brokeraging a big team compared to being a broker for a small team and being on a small team? All right, that's a very good question, Mike. Go ahead, you can laugh into the mic. All right, so here we go. Uh, first of all, it's a team of seven. Oh, so what you guys add, you got two new people. Uh, I, know. I want people to know that. It's a team of seven. And uh, before I jump into answering this, I just want to say one thing about, you know, my experience working with Ryan Serhant. Um, I have nothing but good things to say. Uh, I think the thing that I respected most about him was his work ethic. I really have rarely seen people work as hard as he worked. And I think that I really learned a lot by watching the speed the velocity, the intensity, and the focus that he worked at. And I think we had a mutual, a very mutually uh, beneficial relationship. You know, he's been in the business, I think, seven, eight years. I've been in the business 20 years. So, um, you know, being on the principal side of things, being on the investment side of things, and just, you know, being a business person in general, I think we both, you know, bought an even amount to the table. So I definitely, if he does listen to this, wanted to thank him for that experience and the relationship that, uh, you know, that we had together and, uh, you know, everything that's come up since then. So I just want to put that out there. Now, what's the difference between going small or going big? I'll tell you, uh, let's start with going big first. When you're going big, um, you know, I'm big on leadership. Okay. I'm big on serving others and helping others. And I learned this a really long time ago because I remember when I was in sales, I had this mentor that, uh, you know, that told me that it was important to care about people. It was important to put myself in their position, you know, because I remember at the time I wasn't getting a lot of sales. I wasn't doing well. And he said to me, do you honestly care about the people you're helping? And I remember him telling me that, Mike, and I like sat back. I was in a hotel lobby and I knew what my answer was and it was no at the time. And I shut my phone off for like two and a half days. And I came back, I woke up, I said, you know what? He's right. I've been selfish and I gotta do everything I can to help people. And ever since I took on that attitude, my life completely changed for the better. 
from the people I work with and for myself. Um, when you're working with a big team, like when you have, let's say, 50 to 60 people, for instance, you're not really a leader. You become a boss, like an employer, okay? And that's a problem I have with schools today, by the way. They mm -hmm. teach you how to be an employee, not an employer. So I have a problem with schools <laughs> today. Uh, so what I'm saying is when you have a team that big, you're really a boss, and it's really important to me. Like I said, uh, you know, residential real estate is a very personal business. You know, you're, you have a lot of hats on. You have the salesperson hat on. You have the psychotherapist hat on. You have the family hat on. I mean, there's just so many different things that you do for a transaction to work. Uh, so when you're a leader or a boss of 50, 60 people, you're not really a leader. You become a boss because you're not part of every transaction. It's impossible. That's number one. Number two, when you start hiring people that don't have experience, that are young in the business, that are getting raped on their commissions, and uh, you're putting them in front of a three, five, ten million dollar property when they have no business even being in front of a $2,500 rental, that's a problem. And I don't think that's the way someone should operate their business. Um, it's great if you want to make money and you're about volume. That's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I literally could have had 40, 50 people on my team. I could have not gave a shit about any of those people. And I could have made as much money as possible and just been a big, fat, greedy fuck. But that's not the way I operate. So having a big team, the benefit is you make hell of a lot more money and your clients and your customers and your buyers and your sellers aren't happy with you. Having a small team, having an intimate team, every individual on your team as a result is gonna make more money. They're all gonna grow a lot faster. They're gonna respect you a lot more because you're gonna be able to give them your time, you're gonna be able to give them your effort, and you're gonna be able to say and do what you said you were gonna say and do for them. When it comes to the clients, the buyers, the sellers, and customers, I have an opportunity because I'm only seven to be part of every single one of my transactions. So it means I'm there from the beginning, I'm there in the middle, and I'm definitely going to the closing table at the end. And I'm not just there to pick up a check. I'm there to give them a hug. I'm there to say, we made it happen. I'm so fucking happy for you. If there's anything you need, you let me know. And uh, another way that I create business uh, after I close, I usually wait like two or three weeks, and I think this is important. So if anyone's listening to this that's in the real estate business, take out a pen and pad and take some copious notes right now because this is what's gonna help you create success. It takes a lot longer in this business if you're getting in, if you're just working with the people that you know, okay? But it makes your business so much better when you're only working with people who are your family, your friends, your associates, and their associates. So what I do is after I close a deal, I go let's say to my seller or to my buyer, I give him a call, I say, hey, John, how are you? Hey, Danny, how are you? I'm doing great, how's the house? House is awesome, thank you so much for your help. Hey, John, do you, uh, do you think I can come see you? Sure. Uh, can I come to your office next week, say three o'clock? Sure, love to have you, great. So what I do is I make an appointment after every time I close a deal, I go back to their office and I say, and one of the biggest things I do that most people don't know is every single day, Lee, I ask for help because I don't have an ego. I ask for help. And if somebody says to me, oh, I made that guy get big, I don't give two fucks because my bank account's getting long. You can think you made me as big as you want to make me. You can tell yourself that you woke me up every morning. You can tell yourself that you dressed me. You can tell me that you, know, you pushed me to go to work every day and hustle my ass off. You can say whatever you want, I don't care. But if I'm asking you for help and you're helping me, I appreciate it, I'm grateful. 
Thank you. Anything you want to say, pass out. I don't give a shit. So what I do is I go to their office and I'm like, hey, how are you? How's the house again? They're like, great. I'm like, hey, can I ask you a question? Sure, you can ask me anything. Did you like my service? Danny, what do you say? What are you fucking crazy? We love you. What are you talking about? This is crazy. I'm like, hey, look, I just want to double check. And uh, can I ask you for a favor? Sure, anything I can do for you. Um, can you help me? Yeah, of course I can help you. What do you mean? Well, can you hook me up with five of your friends that may want to buy or sell real estate? Sure, but I don't know anybody who wants to buy or sell real estate. Well, if you knew somebody, who would it be? Okay, and would you mind giving them a call? And would you mind sending them an email and kind of, you know, sharing your experience with me? Because at the end of the day, facts tell, stories sell, right? So this guy's calling his associates or his family members and he's saying everything good about me, then he's already validating me and he's already my testimonial. So by the time I get on the phone with his people, I could just say, how can I help you? And I don't really have to win them over because he's already done all the selling and telling for me, right? That's how you build a motherfucking monster business. That's how when somebody says to you, do you bring the table? I tell them I bring the motherfucking table. So getting back to the small team thing, just really quickly, since you do have a team of seven, how is it managing a team? Like what are some things that if you're a new time broker and you want to make a team, what are some tips that you can give them? New time brokers, I would say don't start a team. You have to have experience, right? You have to have some notches under your belt, right? Yeah. You have to have done some business. You have to have some experience. You have to be bringing something to the table for these guys. You know, when I started the team, I didn't have a lot of business. What I did have is heart, what I did have was dedication, what I did have was life experience. And what I told everyone that joined my team, I said, look, I'm not gonna give you business, but what I can give you is guidance. I can connect you with my resources, with my contacts, and I can be here with you and give you everything I've learned over the last 20 years. And should there be any extra, I'd be more than happy to reward you with that business. But I'm not trying to build a team of people that are just gonna wanna be fed. I'm not a fucking charity. You know, I want to see these people as standalone brokers. I want them to be proud of themselves. So when they wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror, they like what they fucking see, you know? And that's my responsibility. That's the gift I want to give them. I could give them deals. Yeah, sure, here's some deals. But, you know, that's not going to help them in the long run. What's going to help them in the long run is showing them how to get a buyer, how to get a seller, how to get a renter. And it's a very difficult, challenging gig. But if I show them how to do it, then I did my job because they're gonna respect themselves more, they're gonna be better brokers, they're gonna take less time from me, and they're gonna make more money because their splits are gonna be higher because they're generating the business on themselves, and I'm taking a smaller percentage of it, and that's what I want, I wanna motivate them, I wanna inspire them. I want them to look back and be like, man, that guy's a good guy, I really, I really like that guy. You know what it is, it's morbid? I lost my best friend on 9-11, okay? He was in the first tower that got hit. Uh, he was with a company called Cantor Fitzgerald. He's on the 105th floor, okay? So he passed away. He was my best friend, like my brother, okay? I have a brother that I don't even talk to. This guy was my brother. He died. His funeral had 700 people there. He's 23 years old, okay? That's the kind of fucking shit I want to see for myself. I want to know that I touch that many people before I leave Earth. You know what I'm saying? That's success. So one last question before we go. So what are some tips that you would give millennials just, just getting out of college, looking for jobs? Like what were simple advice that you wish somebody told you when you were 20? Millennials, I want you to know something. I am deeply and utterly fucking in love with you guys. You know why? Because <laughs> you're the future. But I want you guys to know something. You gotta be patient. Nothing happens overnight. 
you got to be willing to put the work in. And you want to know something else, guys, especially if you want to get into real estate for any of the millennials that are out here and any business in general. It's not done by email. It's not done by text message. It's done by picking up the phone, hearing your voice, and even more important, getting in front of people, letting them see the white in your eyeballs, letting them feel your energy, letting them know that you're sincere and empathetic and sympathetic and that you want to genuinely help them. And that's what's going to make you successful. It's going to make you successful to get up every morning, to work hard. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about, you know, what your friends are doing and how much they're making and how they've been able to take off and you haven't just yet. Your 20s is a time to figure yourself the fuck out. So don't be hard on yourself. That's the best advice I can give you is don't be hard on yourself and just work your fucking ass off. Let's wrap this up, man. Yeah, well said. So yeah, that was the first ever episode of the Day Nasty Podcast. Thank you, Lee. This is awesome. This place is all. Aw- I wish you guys well. The second episode will be I'm filming I'm gonna clap it. for Lee. Right. By the way, yeah. just so you guys know, Lee is a very handsome guy. He's chilling here in a in his in his Jambox Entertainment T-shirt, shorts. Got a nice pair of kicks. I think they're Asics. <laughs> He's got a nice pair of headphones. Are those Beats? I can't tell what kind of phones those are. Jambox exclusive. Oil Okay, you heard it from him. But he looks good. He's a handsome guy, and he's super helpful, and I love this spot. So wait, what are we going to expect from this? Well, we got some guests, right? Yeah, so I don't want to mention who the guests are, but you guys, I got some insane, insane guests for you. I mean, when I tell you, if you guys think I'm successful, I'm like peanuts compared to these guys, because (laughs) these guys have really gone over the top and really created and solidified their names in the industries, made brands for themselves, and are super, super successful. I'm going to be introducing you to these people. You're going to get to peek in on these conversations, and I promise you, you're going to be excited. One last thing. You know, we had uh, episode one already <laughs> recorded, and we did it on oh, iPhones. iPhones. And, horrible. You know, I went to a few people that I trust, that I care about, and I was like, what do you think? They're like, yo, I fucking love the podcast, but it sounds like shit. So what we did was we came to a studio instead, and we re-recorded it, and uh, we just want it to be special for you. Anything else, Mike? That's pretty much it. Wrap anyway, it up. Mike, thanks so much for everything, no, Lee. Thank, thank you. you for thank everything. you, Lee. Thank you, Jen Pox Entertainment. Yeah, I called every uh, single student in Midtown. We, we came here, okay? For I you. love you guys. Love thank you, you so much. Thank you.